You are listening to AM Sports with Alex and Martin. Welcome back to AM Sports. I'm Martin Foster. And for those who don't know me, I personally had the pleasure of living in Dayton the past four years. I'm in the military. I'm stationed here uh, in Dayton, Ohio, near Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And one thing I really enjoy is just the overall Dayton sports scene. It's really happening place, and I, one thing I've tried to get the word out about Dayton is the fact that just, again, so many things happen here, and it's really kind of a hub. There's a, there's a lot of connections here. And today I'm joined by the voice of the overall Dayton sports scene from ESPN 1410 Wing AM, Mr. Mark Neal. Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Martin, my pleasure. My pleasure, man. I always like talking sports. Yeah, so I just, I, like I said, I've, been living, I've lived in Dayton for about four years and everywhere I, uh, everywhere I lived in the military, I've lived all over the world. I always try to find a local sports radio and truly the, the voice of the Dayton sports scene. I'm, and I'm hooked on your show with all the different guests and just all the different t- topics that you have. Thank you. Yeah. One thing I, uh, I want to ask is just tell us a little bit about yourself and just your background with getting your own show. Uh, I just, I, I'm from Dayton. I grew up in Fairborn over by the Air Force Base and I uh, went to University of Dayton. Um, always wanted to get into media of some kind. Uh, when I was in college, I was a sports writer, but this is, we were talking mid to late 90s, so sports talk radio was still in its infancy back then, so that wasn't even something I really thought about. I wanted to be the next Cal McCoy, not the next Colin Calvert. Uh, so uh, that's what I did for the most part. I never did anything in radio until I was out of college. An opportunity kind of presented itself. Someone I knew worked in the building doing something with one of the other stations, and uh, they said, hey, I can get you in the door, and once you get in the door, we have an ESPN affiliate in there, and ESPN radio was still in its infancy, certainly, as well. And he said, you can kind of work your way from the inside, which is always easier. That's always my advice to people. Just get a job in the building and then take it from there. Uh, Just try to land in a big spot instead of trying to land in a small spot. And then work your way from the from the middle, and uh, I I kind of came over, and the station was just basically airing the Mike and Mike's of the world and, and things like that, and I kind of created this job. I was I told folks that they found out that I was big into sports. They had a sports show on the station, but it was only a half an hour Tuesdays and Thursdays. This is back in two thousand. Yeah. And uh, so they let me kind of be on this show because I talked sports with these guys in the hallway. Uh, and then next thing you know, I'm doing it alone because they had other things they had to do with their regular jobs uh, within the building. And they kind of spawned from there, doing a half-hour thing Tuesdays and Thursdays to doing what we do now every day, uh, you know, a couple of hours every afternoon. Uh, but I basically created my own job, so I, I'm kind of a bad example of of, of how to do this because that's it's difficult to do now. Uh, but uh, you know, I came up with all the different ideas, the Buckeye pregame stuff, which we do, the Buckeyes ninety, which was now a statewide type show, and then of course Dayton sports scene itself. And we actually met about four years ago, and uh, I don't expect you to remember that, but for uh, actually three years ago, it was in 2013. I was part of the Dayton CW contest, and I was one of the finalists. And we got to do radio spots uh, down at the uh, mm-hmm. at the stations, and and uh, the other finalists knew that I was a big sports fan. And the girl that ended up winning, Katie, she's now the the co-host of Living Dayton. Yeah, Katie yeah. was an intern here. Yeah, she's like, uh, oh, she's like, you got to meet Mark Neal. So she actually took me to your office. We met for probably about two seconds, but I, I remember that day because you know it did help that Katie was part of the group. But I do remember that day. So I'm the guy that looks like Matt Damon. That's kind of like my <laughs> my claim to fame. I'm the well, but it, 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 it could look worse, I guess. I so guess. That's good. 
Yeah. Can you just talk about the overall fan base and just even all the pro athletes from this area? Because one thing that I found, and but just by listening to your show, the calls and the intelligent questions that people ask, I'm like, that's a pretty impressive question. And it sounds like there's definitely some diehard fans in the Dayton area. And then I'm also I'm learning it seems like every time I watch a game when they show hometowns from players, whether it's basketball or football or baseball, they're from Dayton or Centerville or Kettering or Xenia. Um, well, let's start off with the fan. I mean, this is a great sports town. I mean, it's no coincidence that the NCAA tournament is here every year. Uh, they, don't, they don't go every year anywhere else. Uh, there's a lot of fans here. Uh, the uh, UD Arena has hosted over 100 NCAA tournament games, more than any building in American sports history. Uh, you know, we've got uh, great college programs. University of Dayton basketball gets 12,000, 13,000 people. Uh, when Wright State's got their thing going, they'll put, they'll put uh, plenty of uh, people in the seats at the Nutter Center. Uh, the Dayton Dragons have the you know streak or the longest sellout streak in pro sports in any sports history, college, pro, amateur, wherever, U.S. sports. I mean, this is a great sports town. So to be able to be the voice of that, and especially with it being my hometown, is great, and it's an honor. Uh, you get challenged a lot because there are a lot of people that are up on their sport. This isn't a passing fancy uh, with people. They know what they're talking about. They expect you to know what you're talking about. And I feel like I've garnered a little bit of their respect seeing how I've been on the air here. You know, for so long, 15 years, doing the show that I'm doing now, the way it's comprised right now for 10 years now, uh, I feel like I've, I've kind of uh, earned a little bit of that respect. So that helps. Uh, I don't get challenged nearly as much. People don't agree with me, but that's the point. Uh, I, I say things that I don't expect everybody, I don't want everybody to agree with. I want uh, some conflict. I want some back and forth. And, you know, that's, I get that in spades with uh, the great sports fans in the area. And as far as the pro athletes, I mean, it goes all the way back to my youth, watching guys like Ron Harper and Keith Byers uh, and people like that on NFL and NBA uh, courts and and, and fields. Um, and then, then today, guys like K.J. Hawk and guys like Nick Mangold and, and, and Mike Nugent and then the next wave that's coming behind them, uh, the Daquan Cooks. I mean, uh, there are so many people from this area, and, and Dayton is growing uh, despite what many people think. Dayton's growing, actually, because of what's going on between us and Cincinnati. Uh, they're saying that Dayton and Cincinnati could become the next kind of metroplex like what Fort Worth and Dallas are, maybe on a little bit of a smaller scale, certainly, uh, but kind of on the same ilk. And the growth in between, a lot of folks work in northern Cincinnati and live in, in Dayton, like my wife. So, uh, you know, this is a great sports town. We yeah. got we got a lot of stuff built in with the Bengals and the Browns and the Buckeyes and the Flyers and everything else I talk about, and of course the Cincinnati Reds. So uh, it, you know, it's kind of a uh, you know swirls together into a great area for sports. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, real quick, congrats on getting married. I know you recently uh, got you. married, and I've been married for 14 years, and it's uh, wow. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, and even with with all the athletes, you mentioned Mike Nugent, AJ Hawk, and even guys like Braxton Miller, who I mean, he's just just fantastic players, just from the Huber Heights area, and Travis Trice, former guard from Michigan State, mm-hmm. and I think his dad's still the coach at Wayne basketball, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he is. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it just seems like every time I meet someone, they're like, "Oh my, you know, did you know so and so's from this area?" And Kurt Coleman, a former safety for the Philadelphia Eagles, I think is Kurt da- Coleman. Yeah, yeah, his dad's a principal at Stevens, and it's just. One thing I've learned about Dayton, so when I did that Dayton CW contest a couple of years ago, I was 
I did we had to create videos and actually did my video at the uh, UD Arena uh, talking about the March Madness games. And one thing I learned is actually UD Arena was the first the first ever HD HD broadcast game was from UD Arena. Huh. Back in like yeah stuff like that. And of course, there's all the history and tradition with the the March Madness tournament. But I told I was telling someone like man, uh, UD Arena's. You, just Dayton itself is a gem of a city. I, th- I, don't, I don't know if people realize that. And the, the guy I was talking to started laughing. And he said, it's funny you should say that because Dayton's actually called or nicknamed the Gym City. And I had yeah. no idea. And so I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. Uh, one thing, you also talked about the, the huge fan base of sports following here. One thing I quickly realized and I had to study up on once I got here is people are diehard Ohio State football Buckeye fans. They've obviously been the news of uh, recent weeks, not just because they're a big bowl win. But just from the mass exodus of players, what are your thoughts on that? And how do you how does how is Urban Meyer going to re- rebound and rebuild from that? Uh, that's certainly a huge Buckeye country. You know, when you're an hour west of Columbus and a team like that has that much success, uh, it's hard not to be. People in this area grow up watching the Reds, who you know, win some but lose some, and the Bengals are finally winning now, but lost for so long. Uh, that's the one team, the Buckeyes, that they can consistently count on wins. So those people die hard, Buckeye fans, that really associate themselves with that. Uh, and Urban Meyer has been a wonderful addition. Uh, you know, Jim Trestle being here was fantastic. I've known Jim Trestle since I was a kid. My uncle is a professor at Youngstown State uh, and a booster for the football program. And, of course, Trestle was a the coach there for so long. And then when he came to Ohio State, he was just what that program needed at the time. They needed to kind of refocus themselves back at the school for Ohio. John Cooper, as great as he was, uh, he kind of ignored a little bit about what Ohio was, the rivalry with Michigan, and Trestle Reed kind of confirmed that. And then Urban Meyer comes in and took it to another level. And when you take it to another level in recruiting, you're going to bring in guys uh, that are better. And when you bring in better players, uh, you know they're going to want to head off to the NFL. And and this is a this is a class um, of players, the the group, the three, the third year players, whether they're redshirt sophomores like Darren Lee and Eli Apple, or whether they're true juniors like Ezekiel Elliott and Joey Bosa. Uh, eligible to turn pro, and they're gonna. Uh, I mean, that class is going to be looked back at as probably the greatest recruiting class in the history of Ohio State Buckeyes football, uh, and and that's no small, uh, you know, small statement to make. Uh, I mean, that group is incredible, and there's still guys going to be returning from that class, namely JT Barrett. But uh, when you when you try to recruit at that level and you land that level of player, uh, especially at that uh, frequency, uh, it, there's going to be something like. This. They've had some success uh, over the last four years since Urban Meyer's been there. They've won 50 football games. I mean, that's out of this world. So these guys have had team success. They've had ind- individual success. And now they're ready to uh, have some NFL success. And as much as I hate to see a lot of them go, it was an inevitable thing. We all knew it was coming. And uh, you just got to wish them well. And hopefully uh, Urban Meyer, who has recruited very well, can replace them more easily than it seems. Do you think it's safe to say at least five first-round picks from this group? God, one thing I've learned about the NFL draft is every time I feel like I know something, I don't. And, and so, <laughs> many, so many things can change between now and May. Yeah. Uh, guys' stocks could tumble. Guys' stocks could skyrocket. Right now, people are talking about Paxton Lynch and, 
and Jared Goff. By the time the draft happens, um, maybe Jared Goff goes the way of Aaron Rodgers and falls all the way down to the bottom of the first round. We just really don't know. And then you got to throw in a lot of other variables like need, position need, um, and how guys work out at combines and things like that. But to answer your question, uh, you know, Bosa, Elliott, Lee, you would assume. Maybe Mike Thomas sneaks in there. Taylor Decker is projected. So five guys are projected to go in the first round. Eli Apple going in the first round wouldn't stun me uh, at all. Uh, good length, solid cover corner in a league that needs defensive backs. So five to six wouldn't shock me, even though that's a it's an insane number when you're talking about a year this year, especially where there's only 31 first round picks since the Patriots still have theirs with the, the Flakegate thing. But um, that's still a big number. Yeah. Even though Ohio State only lost one game this year, do you still there were such high expectations entering the season, especially the way they finished last season, which is rolling through the college football playoff and win the national championship and returning basically everybody. Was the season you think an overall success, or was there definitely some disappointment since they didn't uh, win the national championship? Uh, I, I mean, that, that, that's that's a great question, and on a lot of levels, I and mean, it depends on who you talk to. Um, coming into the season, I can only imagine their checklist of things to accomplish included winning the Big Ten East, which they didn't do, going to the Big Ten Championship game, which they didn't do, winning the Big Ten Championship game, which they obviously didn't do, and going on to the college football playoffs, which they didn't do. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends. I mean, the, the, those have had to have been the four uh, main uh, bylines as a, as a you know, as far as what they wanted to accomplish, and they didn't accomplish any of them. So I think if you asked them individually, uh, they would probably say that this season wasn't a success. But it, it, that, that tells you the level of expectation. When you finish 12-1, and one, uh, you lose a game that you never trailed during regulation in a rainstorm on a last-second field goal. Um, <laughs> that's college football. That's the expectation of Ohio State. Uh, it, it, that college football is a crazy sport, and that, that's why that, that really drives a lot of the bus for my show uh, because the college football playoff has added so much intrigue and discussion, you know? You jogged my memory. I remember a couple months ago after the Ohio State loss, there was pretty good discussion on your show, and you received a lot of phone calls of one lost team in college football and how it's, it seems like it's more important to lose early because if you lose late, it pretty much crushes your, your chances of uh, moving towards the national championship. Yeah. The timing of the loss is, is paramount as far as I'm concerned. I mean, all you got to do is look at Ohio State a year ago. They lost game two, right? and it took all season long to get back up, back up into the top four. I mean, they weren't in the top four of the college football playoff poll until the last poll. Um, so it took all year. And, you know, a lot of people will argue with me and say the timing of the loss doesn't matter. Well, then, then you tell me whether uh, Oklahoma losing to Texas, if that happened the same weekend, Ohio State lost to Michigan State, if, if Oklahoma's in the playoffs. That's a great I point. Probably not. That's a fantastic point. And one thing I've, I've actually become a big believer in the Big Ten. I thought for a lot of years that the Big Ten, to be honest, was a little overrated. One thing, I, I truly do think that the Big Ten was the best conference in college football this year. I understand they didn't necessarily prove that in the, in the bowl season. Mm-hmm. We've seen. I, the, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say overrated because I don't think they're rated that high. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think we'd like them to be. I think that we hope that the five major conferences are simply that, five major conferences. But you're always going to have one uh, better than others. So you're always going to have a pecking order, and that right. pecking order may shuffle around. Uh, but you know, the Big Ten, I don't know that people are uh, 
touting the Big Ten as being as good as the SEC. So with that said, I don't know if it's necessarily overrated. I know, I know what you're saying. Right. Uh, but over, overrated is not the, 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 the description I would personally but I think I think that definitely the Big Ten overall is just to me it just seems like the quality of play has just increased over the past uh, couple of years, and I think but in order for the, the Big Ten truly to emerge as the conference in in college football, I think certain conferences conferences they need certain teams to really to show to really be up there. The Pac-12 needs USC to be dominant. The Big Twelve needs OU and Texas to be dominant. That's to see which has been safe to say dominant. They need uh, the Alabamas and LSU, and I think Big Ten in order for it to really just take that next step is Ohio State has to stay relevant, which they have been. And Michigan needs to kind of regain that, that tradition, which they're starting to do. So they're definitely turning in the right direction with Harbaugh as their head coach. But what do you think about the impact of Michigan on the Big Ten? Uh, I mean, every program kind of has a ceiling. Uh, and some program ceilings are higher than others, whether it's uh, the uh, you know the tradition, uh, the the recruiting base from which they work, uh, the the perception of the program from outside uh, in terms of recruiting. Uh, there's a lot of different variables that work in, and Michigan's ceiling is certainly higher than that of Iowa or Minnesota or Rutgers or Maryland or many others. So certainly Michigan uh, has the opportunity to be a bigger player. Now, for a conference to be really considered good, it needs to have breadth and depth. So, you know, my whole youth, Baylor, was terrible. Right. Uh, and, and now all of a sudden, Baylor's very good. Uh, TCU is so bad that they got left out uh, in the merge between the Southwest Conference and the Big 8. When they made the Big 12, TCU got left out of that. Uh, so TCU has certainly grown a lot. And those two schools, Baylor and TCU, have really changed the perception of the Big 12 um, more than what Texas and Oklahoma can, because as good as Texas and Oklahoma can be, they need buddies in that conference to be good, too. So oh, while Michigan and Ohio State are the blue bloods of the conference, having Michigan State and Wisconsin and Penn State and Nebraska's and everybody else uh, alongside of them is what's going to make the Big Ten have a resurgence. Uh, but Michigan, you know, getting a Jim Harbaugh uh, is trying to get things back in line. They've kind of been in in some kind of football limbo for nearly a decade. Uh, I mean, I understand what they were trying to do with Rich Rodriguez. I just think that that was uh, maybe the wrong fit, and they didn't give it enough time to be the right fit. Um, and then Brady Hoke was just a terrible hire. And yeah. Just from every you know any way you slice it, uh, even though he is also from Dayton, he went to high school about two miles from where I'm sitting right now. Uh, you know, Brady Hoke was just a bad hire, and obviously Jim Harbaugh uh, wasn't because <laughs> they're doing very well with him now. But yeah, Big Ten needs Michigan just like they need Ohio State, but they also need Wisconsin and Michigan State and Iowa and everybody else. Yeah, you brought up a good point when you called Michigan Ohio State the Blue Bloods because that's kind of how I looked at. OU and Texas in the Big 12, and then when you have TCU and Baylor, much like the Big Ten has Michigan State and Wisconsin and some of these other schools improving, that's kind of icing on the cake and really just uh, truly solidifies that conference. Yeah, just uh, again, you said Brady Hope from from this area, just an, again, just chalk it up to another person from the from the Dayton area. Yeah. And Rich Rodriguez, that's that's never seemed like that was a good fit. Even when they first when Michigan first hired him, I just never felt like I remember right after West Virginia or even right before he left West Virginia, Alabama was trying to get him, and it just seemed like that didn't seem like a good fit either. Boy, would that have changed college football? Right, history. exactly. Yeah. Oh uh, wow, I didn't think about that. I think Rich Rodriguez is a is a fantastic coach for the right program. He was very good 
at, at West Virginia. He's a, that was his alma mater. Maybe he should never have left, uh, but I think the money was too much to turn down. And the yeah. opportunity to be at Michigan was too much to turn down. Uh, but the, the, the change, the dynamic change of what he made Michigan into as opposed to what it had been for the previous 80, 90, 100 years was just too much. Do you feel like there's been a lot of discipline problems with Ohio State, uh, I guess, in terms of this season? I mean, numerically speaking, sure. Uh, I mean, you had some big-time names get, you know, suspended for at least a game. Marshall, Bosa, Washington, Barrett, uh, and and others. Uh, Dontre Wilson, plenty of guys missed games due to suspension. Uh, but that is also a byproduct of college football. I mean, just watch the bottom line on ESPN, and you'll see it happen all the time. Uh, there's a lot of guys. Uh, you got 85 scholarships. You got all another 30 some walk-ons. Um, you know, players are going to get in trouble. They're on the college campus. They're they're young and dumb and make some bad decisions. And uh, and uh, they're BMOCs and they're the most well-known people. And a bar fight breaks out and. Uh, nobody knows you and me, and they all know Joey Bosa. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's how that works out. Uh, discipline problems, um, are, they come and they go. Uh, you, you, know, you look at Ohio State, it's had other problems, academic problems. Uh, you know, Notre Dame ran into that where they had five players a couple years ago suspended uh, for academic issues, including their starting quarterback, for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, so it happens to everyone. Uh, you, you just got to make sure they're not uh, severe things. Uh, you don't want people killing each other like you had at Baylor basketball a few years ago. Uh, you got to keep an eye on some things. But if you think that you're just going to uh, prevent any discipline problems from ever happening, uh, good luck. I'm speaking with Mark Neal from ESPN 1410 Wing AM, the voice of the Dayton sports scene. Mark, you said that people wouldn't know you and I if we were uh, in a bar fight. I don't know. I think if you and I were eating some wings at Frickers and people heard you talk, they would recognize that that golden voice of yours. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, people uh, do recognize my voice sometimes when when I'm you know if I go and do I say something. Um, it, people recognize me now also because of the advent of the of the internet and Twitter. People now know what radio people look like. When I was growing up. Uh, people didn't know what the people on radio looked like. Uh, yeah, I remember that for me. I'm 34, so, so I'm still a pretty young guy, but I can remember the local radio station, and uh, there was a but, DJ named The Boogeyman. I, I was, I'm not one for a whole lot of uh, praise. Like I kind of uh, float, uh, float around, and I don't, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't wear T-shirts of my radio station out and about. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't need that kind of kind like, of hey, I'm Mark Neal. Affirmation <laughs> and praise. In fact, I'd rather people not. Uh, if, I, if everybody knew who I was, I can't imagine, you know, the sports talk that would be endless. Um, so, you know, I, I like being just kind of anonymous, and that's one of the things radio can provide. Your voice is, you're the songbird of, of our generation. It's a, oh, it's a, it's a combination of, of Madonna and Jesus. Uh, uh, switching yeah, gears, yeah. I'm just joking. Uh, switching gears, playoffs start this Saturday. Yeah. Let's talk some Houday Nation. To me personally, so I, I had the opportunity and the pleasure to interview Jay Morrison early on in the football season. And he and I just both were, were just talking. It seems like to me that for the past, actually five years now that I've lived in Dayton, this is the fifth year in a row the Bengals are making the playoffs or playing in the playoffs. This to me, this team just seems so much different and better than in previous four years. Do you agree with that? I said it before the season started. I thought this was the best roster of this run. Um, you know, Jay, uh, I've had Jay on my show for years. Uh, you know, I think 
think the world of Jay Morrison. He's uh, awesome. Um, he's a, a, a great person to talk to about this team with. Uh, but yeah, I think this team is as, as good as they've been in this run. I mean, Andy Dalton is hitting his stride. He's had his best year of his career until he got hurt. A.J. Green uh, might be playing his best football right now. Uh, they, you know, Gino Atkins is back and healthy. Carlos Dunlap is a terror off the edge. Uh, even guys like Pac-Man Jones uh, play, you know, are playing at a Pro Bowl level at corner when he's healthy and in there. They have a lot of talent. Uh, this is a very, you could argue this is the most talented roster in the NFL. Uh, I really do. I feel like they stack up better than Carolina. Sometimes I wonder how Carolina does it. Cam Newton's so good. Uh, they have some talented players. Don't get me wrong. Keekley and Norman and, 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 and Newton and those guys. Right. Uh, but I think, I think uh, the Bengals have a solid roster, as you'll find in this league, top to bottom. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just the fact they won 12 games this year. It just because I know they've made the playoffs the past couple of years, and it'd always be ten and six or eleven and five. But to me, there's a big difference between eleven and five and twelve and four. It's just um, an improved team. Sure, it helped that the division was in flux this year. I mean, the Browns were a joke. Uh, the Ravens uh, were just brutalized by injuries. Twenty-one guys on the IR. They split with the Steelers. Uh, you know, which, you know, Steelers are the Steelers. Uh, you know, and they had been a pretty kind schedule. This was a good year to run into, uh, some conferences. You know, this is a good year to run into the AFC West. Uh, so, you know, for instance, they, uh, you know, they, they struggled after the bye week. They went one and four against playoff teams after the bye week. They lost to Houston and Arizona, Denver, lost to Pittsburgh. So, uh, you know, this, this, since the break, it's been a little touch and go at times. Yeah. At 12, on a 12 and four season, uh, yeah, you can't scoff at that. Two things I've really noticed about the Bengals this year is one, their depth at defensive line because it seems like their their guys are just so fresh and when they're able to play four or five pass rushers, guys like Michael Johnson who are fresh in the fourth quarter just really has an impact on the team. And also a healthy – I know he's missed some games this year, but a healthy Tyler Eifert for, for the majority of the season because I just gave Andy Dalton another weapon. But I'd, just gave the Bengals, you know, another red zone weapon. They, yeah. they, turned, they turned a lot of three-point drives into seven-point drives. Um, so when you lose Dalton and you lose Eifert, that kind of contributes to a two and two finish down the stretch. Uh, they probably beat Denver if they have Eifert and Dalton, uh, you know. But that, that's you know that's in the ether. Uh, who knows? Uh, but yeah, Tyler Eifert's resurgence. He played eight plays last season. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, for him to be able to do what he did, a double digit touchdown season was phenomenal. I think they need to get a little bit more from their running game. Uh, Jeremy Hill took a big step back in year two. Uh, Jeremy Hill actually had one more carry than he did a year ago, but had 400 less yards. Uh, so, you know, I think that's something that they're going to win, especially coming up on Saturday, that's going to have to change. A.J. McCarron made a little bit of history, and he was the first Alabama quarterback to win an NFL game as, as a starting quarterback uh, in 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is the difference in the team with McCarron at the helm versus Andy Dalton? Uh, there's a lot. Uh, you know, you can only use so much of the playbook when you got a guy that's played for a month as opposed to a guy that's played for five years. Uh, Bengal fans, in some ways, are just sick of Andy Dalton, and I guess I get that, but you, there's no way you're going to sell me that they're better with McCarron than Dalton. I mean, that's just crazy talk. Uh, Andy Dalton has had five years 
to build a relationship with A.J. Green. He's had many seasons to build relationships with Mohamed Sanu and, and Marvin Jones and Tyler Eifert and work out that kind of continuity and learn a playbook and uh, get deep into playbooks and, and be anticipating things as opposed to reacting to things within the playbook. So, uh, you know, A.J. McCarron has looked pretty good in his stead, but Andy Dalton is a better quarterback. Now, I talked yesterday on my show about what happens if A.J. McCarron is the one that ends up leading him to this first playoff win <laughs> in 25 years. Controversy. And Andy Dalton is healthy to play round two. Uh, what kind of decision is made there? And if you pick the wrong thing, Marvin Lewis, uh, you know, the fan base could have a meltdown. So uh, that's, what, that's what I'm here for, though. I, I love getting to talk about this kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> I can only imagine, the, the, like you said, the fan base around here, if that were to happen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it would just be... It, well, there's already a lot of angst, and then you throw Pittsburgh into the equation, and it amplified tenfold, you know? <laughs> I want to play a little game. I'm going to give you some names. Destri- uh, describe that person or subject in one word. Okay. Hal McCoy. Legend. You know, that's definitely – I'm a huge baseball fan, and, I, I, man, I, I love reading his stuff and on the top of my, uh, my dream sheet as far as uh, people to, to meet around oh, here. Great friend. I've had him on the show for years. Yeah, I, I listen to him all the time, him and um, when he comes on the show. Probably two favorite segments are when he comes on and when Tom Pestick comes on to talk, uh, mm-hmm. talk basketball. Uh, Jay Morrison. Uh, knowledgeable, works his tail off, man. You'll see him at Wright State games. You'll see him at Bengal games. Uh, just uh, there's a reason that he's doing all the stuff that he does because he's good. He's awesome, and I'm so thankful. I feel like a college recruiter that I'm I'm reaching out to all these people. Like, hey, you know, I do the show. Would you mind coming on? And Jay was kind of like that first uh, – that, I call it the marquee signature recruit to <laughs> to accept and uh, come on the show, and he it was just it was just great. He was uh, oh, yeah. super Good nice guy. and yeah, pretty awesome. Uh, Heather Dinick, Dinich. Uh, wow. Well, one word to describe. Her. <laughs> uh, she's on your show quite a bit from, uh, or it seems like recently she's been. <laughs> I've on your known show. Heather back from when she was the ACC blogger. I mean, I've known Heather forever. Um, you know, and, and that's one of the things about having this job as long as I have. I get to know these people and I have access to them. I mean, I have, I follow each other on Twitter so I can instant message her directly. I can email her. I can text her. I, same thing with Coley Harvey. I could text Coley Harvey Sunday night from the grocery store and say, hey, you want to come on the show tomorrow? Yeah. That's awesome. You know, but, so that, you know, that, but that takes a long time. Right. Uh, uh, Heather Dinich is willing, is the word, uh, willing to not only come on with me, but willing to uh, basically have a job be surrounded around something like a college football playoff poll and and uh, her whole job is surrounded over a three game span in 11 days uh, in January uh, it, it takes a lot of work because you're, you're, you're creating a lot of stories she's very talented in the sense that you she's not recapping games she's creating storylines all year yeah. I definitely enjoy her on your show and just reading her stuff on ESPN. The Cleveland Browns. Not disastrous. Uh, just rudderless, leaderless. I mean, I could go on and on. I grew up in a Browns house, so I actually have an affinity for the Cleveland Browns. My dad's a diehard Browns fan, but yeah. uh, they're, they're just uh, they're a bunch of bums. They can't get out of their own way. Jimmy Haslam seems like a complete buffoon. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you run into that with owners in sports. 
Um, sports, they, they handle their sports franchises differently than they handle uh, their businesses that made them billionaires. Uh, Jerry, I'm a Cowboys fan. I've been a Cowboys fan since I was four years old. Uh, Jerry Jones sometimes. Uh, I mean, this is a, one of the shrewdest businessmen in the, in the last century in this country. Made a billion, made billions in oil for crying out loud, and uh, just makes buffoonery decisions as a football owner. So, uh, but the Browns just uh, they, they they get no luck. They create no luck for themselves, and they're just relentlessly foolish. I just remember the 2011 draft, and there's not always a whole lot of sure things in the draft. But in 2011, a draft to me, AJ Green and Julio Jones. We're about as sure a bet at wide receivers as you can get. In my mind, they were probably as sure a bet as Calvin Johnson when he came out in 2007. And I remember Cleveland, I think, had the number six pick that year, and that's the year they traded down. Mm-hmm. But of course, obviously, Atlanta moved up and uh, drafted Hoya Jones, and I think yeah, Cleveland yeah. took Phil Taylor, I believe. Yep, and the four players that. Uh, Cleveland got are not even with the team anymore. We all know what Julio Jones did this year. Yeah, um, yeah. They they traded down. They needed a playmaker, and they ended up with a defensive tackle. I, mean, I like Phil Taylor, but he's not going to make the impact. Uh, you know, not even a fraction of the impact Julio Jones is going to make. Do you think that Manziel ends up in Dallas? Uh, I mean, that seems like the the obvious answer uh, to it, because what's going to happen is is either Dallas is going to spin him off a seventh round pick, or the Browns release him, and then it's up to Johnny Manziel to sign with whomever he wants. Uh, so, with that being said, I can, I don't think that they're going to ship. John, nobody wants Johnny Manziel except for Jerry right now. Uh, so it's not like somebody else is going to swoop in with a sixth round pick and and they're going to trade him to Seattle or anything. I don't see that happening. So. Uh, probably, I think the Browns should just, you know, they should come off of them. A month ago, I was saying they needed to play him so they could see what they had with him. Yeah. And, and as good as he's been on the field, he's just such a an immature uh, kid off the field. Right now, he's just toxic for a locker room. Uh, they got to get rid of him. We'll wrap this up. I'm going to give you one last topic and, again, just use one word to describe it. Martin Foster and AIM Sports. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm honored that you are, are <laughs> honored uh, that you're willing to, to have me on. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'll, I'd like to help people out that want to have me on. I've, I've never turned down an interview that I've ever been asked for. I do play speaking, do speaking engagements, and I do interviews. And I always say yes because people said yes to me early on. And I appreciate people that have a hunger and a passion uh, to do what they love to do. And who am I to uh, to turn that down? I appreciate. I really appreciate those words. Matt Damon also would have been an acceptable answer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Matt Damon's two words. Two words. There you go. Uh, yeah, I definitely have a hunger and passion for it. I feel like I'm, I'm Clever Lang in Rocky Three. You know, when he's training in his garage and uh, doing pull-ups on on four by four uh, <laughs> plies of uh, wood. Yeah. But, but well, yeah, it's a tough business to do full time, man. I'm lucky, so uh, and I realize that. Again, just thank you so much for being on the show. This is um, this is really cool for me. You've definitely been someone. I've wanted to just interview for the past couple of years, and I started this podcast about three months ago, and just trying to just trying to keep improving, trying to make it. Uh, I enjoy doing. I have a lot of fun and just talking to different people about sports because I could talk sports all day. So uh, again, it's been an honor, and I look forward to just talking with you in the future. Sounds great, Martin. I appreciate you having me on. That's it today for today. If you want more, like us on Facebook, AM Sports with Alex and Martin. Follow us on Twitter, AM Sport at AM Sports Guys, and check out our website, amsportsguys.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care.